yeah, I, I just don't believe to do what you want to do in life, you, you have to follow the mainstream idea of, you know, education and crap like that. Yeah. Where'd you get that idea from, though? Oh, do I don't know. It's just, it feels more sort of innate or um, sort of native to, to me. I just, mm. I don't know. I sort of um, look at a lot of modern day education with a lot of skepticism. And mm. um, I just think kids these days, you know, I mean, sure, they need to read and write and, you know, be able to do maths and so forth. Yeah. And have some manners and, and you know, basic things like that but above that you know they just need to find their passion in life and pursue it yeah and if their passion is to be a doctor okay they need to go to uni and do that if their passion is to be a soccer player or or you know whatever it's just the hardest thing for kids these days is to find their purpose or passion in life and i don't see many mainstream um, places even giving that any real or effective attention I'm Ren McDonald, and this is The Hope Initiative, a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, where I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Hope Initiative. My name is Rin McDonald, your host. Thank you so much for being here. On episode 44, I speak with Andrew Knott. Andrew is someone who's been in my life since the day I can remember and even before that. He's the husband of my godmother, Julie, father to three of my best mates, Ben, Sam and Riley, and is a guy who's had a really profound impact on my life. I know he's been a friend of my father, Robert, for many years and yeah, he's just a genuinely great guy. This conversation took place back in January 2020, so what, four months ago now, so much has changed in the world, but it's one that I wanted to still share because a lot of the points, and pretty much all of the points, are still really relevant. He does talk a little bit about the Australian bushfires, which thankfully now are over, but the repercussions of that are still being felt, especially in the current climate, so I think with that... It wasn't recorded last week, but as I say, really important stuff and I appreciate his time. The other thing to note was that it was so impromptu and off the cuff, he's living with me. I hadn't recorded for several months, which I do mention, but basically we did it in a living room at my house where there's just wooden floorboards, wasn't the most conducive environment for for good quality audio, so if you don't mind that and, and don't mind hearing... Uh, a couple of Aussie accents echoing about the room, then this is the perfect podcast for you. So, yeah, get excited and enjoy my conversation with Andrew Knott. Thanks again. Andrew Knott, welcome to the Hope Initiative. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So, you are the father of a few of my best mates. Mm Mm-hmm known my parents for many many years i have yeah and we are current housemates we are go figure yeah go figure indeed so i thought we'd start this is very impromptu as well just talking before um i haven't recorded a podcast now for a couple of months bit of busy time 
here in Australia. Mm. Um, with Christmas and New Year's, obviously the holidays, people sort of can lose their mind, so to speak, and not have too much time to do things. Yep. Sit down with me for an hour and, and do a podcast is sort of the last thing <laughs> that some people have wanted to do. But um, adding to that have been the fires, the bushfires mm. here <clears throat> this year. And I, I think I've got a few people who have listened, who have messaged me in the past few months, mm. um, you know, who aren't here in Australia international listeners and they've asked on the situation and, you know, sending their well wishes. Mm. You have a big bit of land in country, New South Wales. Yep. Which I'll let you tell the story wasn't wasn't yeah, too too well received by the fires. Yeah, well we've owned this place, um, it's in Peakview, New South Wales, which is a pretty sort of topical place at the moment given that um the plane crashed there just last Thursday. Right. But yeah, we've had this place for about five years and um, to date we've never really worried about bushfires but just before, it was a lightning strike, I think it was about the 28th of December, um, not far from our place and um, yeah, it wasn't looking good. So the fire came through our place on New Year's Eve and then again a few days later burnt what wasn't burnt the first time mm. but um yeah i'm not sure how much detail you want me to go into but um it's fine whatever you'd like to share really yeah yeah well we've got a pine forest on there probably about 70 or 80 percent of the whole place is pine forest and that went up in smoke that was about 15 years old and um you know another 15 years it would have been worth quite a bit of money yep but yeah, it's apart from the sort of any financial side, it's just been a very interesting time because you get to know your neighbours even more so than you already did, and yeah. the people out there, um, they're just, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but they're just unlike anybody you come across in a city. Yep, they're people that wear their heart on their sleeve, they give you the shirt off their back, and they're just so incredibly genuine and caring about each other and would absolutely do anything so yeah we've met a few of those and um yeah what are, what are some of the things that have or has happened maybe if you could share more of a sort of in-depth story on you know you've mentioned some to me but there might be others you know yeah well i guess um one that springs to mind um there's a family down there called the barons and um they're, they're sheep people, you know, they, they breed rams, I think. So every year they sell a whole lot of um, sheep. Yep. I don't know the first thing about sheep, mate. <laughs> but, um, you know, to date, I'd never met James. He's like the son of um, this other couple and they've all grown up in the area. They've been there for, I don't know, you know, generations and generations. And um, I'd met the father and... Um, and sort of the matriarch of the family. And I'd also met Julie, which is James's um, wife. Yep. But I never met James until this fire. Right. And James is the local fire captain. He's, um, he's an exuberant kind of guy and um, very passionate about his family and the area and so forth, which yep. is probably why he's the captain, I guess. Yep. Although I think he did say, you know, no one else was stupid enough to do it. <laughs> so he ended up doing it. But... Um, yeah, I've, I've had a few conversations and he's been to our place a couple of times and um, we had some fires still burning even after the fire had passed through. So he and some others came back and were working on that. But yeah, 
I look forward to getting to know James more. He just seems like a real quality individual. Yeah, right. Mm. And you say like the, almost like the things that they've done, you know, these people obviously very much country people. They are. You've probably, if I'm right in saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but grew up more in the city or lived Absolutely. more in the city yeah. most of your life? <clears throat> That's right. I mean, I've always sort of longed for some rural land yeah. for a very long time. So um, that was always a bit of a goal. And Julie and I absolutely adore this place. And um, it's just such a retreat for us to get away from city life and the insanities that go with living in big cities. Yeah. And it just has so much space. So, yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not country... Well, we're not farmers, we're not firefighters. Yeah. You know, we grew up in the city, so we just love going out and being amongst that. Yeah, right. And then what do you think is the main difference then between it? You know, obviously people would have a bit of an idea. Most people listening to this would, you know... I think... Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you could sort of have a few different theories, but... Um, yeah, I guess in the city, you know, you've only got to drive in the city and everyone wants to cut you off on the road, everyone wants to abuse you, someone wants to be at the front of the queue in a shopping centre. It's just go, 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 go. And, you know, I'm all for moving fast and getting things done. Yeah. But people, you can live, you know, three feet from another person in the city and not even know them. And whereas mm-hmm. in the city, you can live 10 k's from someone and know them better. Yeah, in the country. Yeah, yeah, in the country, sorry. So, you know, go figure. I mean, it's, it's, they're just, I don't know whether they're, I don't think they're lonely necessarily, unless they're sort of on their own, mm. but they just seem to care more about other people. Yeah. You know, they seem to take an interest in you. They seem to, you know, want to know about you and spend time and they'll stop their car on the side of the road and have a half an hour chat with you. You yeah. know, you just park two cars passing on a dirt road. <laughs> so, yeah. And do you feel like, since moving to country New South Wales yourself, because yep. it was a couple of years ago. Is that right? Yes, about 18 months ago, we moved from Sydney to Cooma <clears throat> and um, wanted to concentrate on the property that we have and finishing building a house down there. Right. Um, and it's, I think, important to say as well, the house was saved by the yep. RFS, right? The Got house water was saved by the RS- RFS, yeah. Yep. It was um, water bombed along with some other bits and pieces of equipment and things. Yeah. So, yeah, we were very fortunate there. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, back to sort of the question. So do you find that in moving to the country in the past 18 months, do you feel like you've gotten better in terms of that? Now I feel like you are quite a social person, you know, able to mm. communicate to most people. Mm. But... When you've come back to the city, do you find that you're more, like, a, a, as part of the country, come with you in that regard? Are you more willing? Or yeah, is it- probably. I think it, it's sort of, you know, it's a funny thing in life. You know, sometimes you find yourself in circumstances and you look back and you go, you know, I actually decided that I wanted, to, I wanted it to be like this. Mm. So, you know, I sort of wanted to have the best of both worlds. You know, I needed the sort of thrill of business and deals and real estate and, and whatnot. Yep. But I also just love being able to put on a T-shirt and some shorts and blundstones and, you know, yep. go and do something at the farm. Right. So the idea of having both, you know, I think in life you shouldn't sort of necessarily have to compromise. You, you need to sort of work out how you can do it all. Mm. And um, so, yeah, going down there, it's really opened my eyes to just the genuineness of country people. Mm. And um, to some degree, I think city people, 
give it a bit of sort of lip service or it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I, I know that. But, you know, it's, it's just country people sort of get country people. It's really weird. Right. But yeah, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I don't regret going down there for a minute. Sure. So I love being able to, you know, live in that area and, and move with those people and have them as friends and so forth. And I love coming to the city and, you know, doing what I need to do here as well. Yeah, nice. I guess when you when you started, because you now work in Melbourne, yep. Um, sort of like fly in, fly out, and that's mm-hmm. why you're my housemate. You, that's it. You yep. stay with me, and I live with your middle son, Sammy. Yep. Who's been on the podcast, episode six? Go check it out. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> bit of a plug. So you mentioned there, you know, you realised. Mm. You wanted to have it all in life. Um, your eldest son, Ben, I'm, you know, we're best mates, him and I. Um, known him, I feel like, my whole life. You guys moved to Sydney when I was quite young, probably I may, might have been nine or ten, early 2000s. Um, yeah, moved up to Sydney and, you know, I was talking to your wife, Julie, this morning about that time and I, I thought... At the time, as a young kid, oh, I'm never going to see you guys again. Mm. But now, you know, 15 years later, you know, you're more, you're around, you're, you're back in my life a lot more. And, you know, Ben and, and Sam have lived down in Melbourne now for a little while, Ben more so. But how, you know, progressing from when you were, say, my age, early 20s, going forward, how is your life changed can you maybe recall <coughs> excuse me any of the major changes in your life to where you are now and and maybe what your vision was for you because you're in your mid-50s right yeah yeah i know this is a long-winded question but sure you know what what did you want like did you want it all when you were my age yeah look i've always been really ambitious yeah and i've certainly been one that doesn't believe in the mainstream highway if you like of success or you know go to uni get a degree you'll be a screaming success you know buy a house in the burbs two and a half kids and a commodore or some crap like that you know i mean success means different people to different people and then and there's all sorts of you know things around that but yeah look i've already always been sort of successful driven willing to take risks quite large risks and willing to, you know, try new things and have a go. And I just always had this, you know, I don't know, it's a drive or an idea or, or whatever, but, um, yeah, I, I just don't believe to do what you want to do in life, you, you have to follow the mainstream idea of, you know, education and crap like that. Yeah. Where'd you get that idea from, though? I don't know it's just it feels more sort of innate or um sort of native to to me I just Mm. I don't know I sort of um look at a lot of modern day education with a lot of skepticism and Mm. um I just think kids these days you know I mean sure they need to read and write and you know be able to do maths and so forth yeah and have some manners and and you know basic things like that but above that you know they just need to find their passion in life and pursue it yeah and if their passion is to be a doctor okay they need to go to uni and do that if their passion is to be a soccer player or or you know whatever it's just the hardest thing for kids these days is to find their purpose or passion in life and i don't see many 
mainstream um, places even giving that any real or effective attention. Right. When when you were <clears throat> developing as a young person, you know, teens, early twenties, what were what were your business was always my thing. I always had a passion and interest in business. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sort of coming out of my teens in the early 20s, always had a fascination with the concept of business and having my own businesses and being successful and, and you know, making it work. Right. Um, you know, I actually started out working for um, a small part of a company called Main Nicholas. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure who swallowed them up these days, but, um, you know, that was fun and interesting and so forth. What issue was that? Uh, transport mainly, sort okay. of interstate, rail transport, road transport, freight, forwarding, all that sort of stuff. They were a very, very large company. Yeah. And, um, you know, that sort of opened my eyes and was a bit interesting in that, but I never really sort of took off until it was the concept of my own businesses. Mm. You know, that's where I got the most satisfaction out of doing things myself. Yeah. Nice. Where do you think that came from? Like, were your parents that way inclined? No, no, no. My, my father wasn't that way inclined at all. He... He worked for um, APM, Australian Paper Manufacturers, for most of his life. He did start out in a bank, in the ANZ Bank. Yeah. Um, but no, he was your typical sort of 60s and 70s. Um, back then, that was the thing that everybody did. Yeah, like know. a factory sort of worker. Well, he, he wasn't. He was more of an executive. Sure. But it was the concept that, you know, go and join a company and stay with them for 50 years and end up with a gold watch when you're 65 and out the door. Yeah. You know, that that was considered to be, you know, what people should do and what people strive for. And I just, you know, I love my dad to death, but it just wasn't for me. Right. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. This may or may not be true. So, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but oh, my mum has told me, I vaguely, vaguely remember her telling me there was a time when you and Julie were dead broke. Yep. And you ate, was it boiled potatoes or potatoes? I don't Almost. know about the potatoes. Dead broke, you know, certainly <laughs> true, absolutely. Sure, well, she tells a story, and again, it, it might be wrong, Yeah. Um, but you like would cook potatoes and sort of that's all you would eat for a period, all you ate for a period of time. <laughs> Maybe she's like making me or trying to make her situation back when she told me it less. Yeah, look, we've... Absolutely, Julie and I, um, we've had some times when, yeah, we've been absolutely dead broke. Yeah. Um, and other times when we've done quite well. Sure. So, yeah, it's, I'm not, you know, as far as the question sort of surrounding that goes, you know, look, it's true. Um, there's been those instances, but, you know, do you appreciate others that are going through that at the time? and you know, just because somebody's in that situation doesn't mean that they can't launch out of it, mm. you know, and again, it sort of comes back to um, a number of things, but yeah, we've been in that situation, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we have. I mean, I think the other day you, you mentioned there was one time when you were both working in the city and you had to get out, you were trying to get home and this was before, you know, mobile phones, Uber. Yep. Um, you, Catching a train late at night, missing the train, my God, how are we going to get home? Right. Yeah. In in the early days when um uh just when she was pregnant with Ben, our eldest. Yeah. You know, it was a really hard time. It was a really tough time. We were living with my folks. Right. Um 
And yeah, it was a bit struggle street without a doubt. Right. Yeah. How did you get out of that? We got out of it, I guess, by sort of drawing a line in the sand and going, no, I don't want to do that anymore. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm interested in. Yeah. And it was a bit like what I said before. It was kind of like a sort of a breaking point or a stepping stone to, you know, why the fuck would you do something in life that you, that you hate doing? Yeah. Not that I hated doing that other part. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, just, you know, what's your, what's your passion? What's your interest? Um, and so, you know, at that point, you know, we were doing some window cleaning when you, you know, um, working there, but I went and worked for a, um, small company that was, he was a, a management consultant yep. and that was really probably the beginning of getting into the area that I was more interested in and right. pursuing that. Yeah. So that, that was kind of like the change right there. Yeah. That's cool because I think I can draw a parallel from my life you know six months ago i was working um in financial planning and you know really have and still do have a lot of respect for the guy i was working with um you know i was working with with your son and with another real good mate of ours um but certainly is in the passion and i've you know been doing this podcast now for a year almost a year Mm. um missed a few episodes you know um along the way but it's it's opened a lot of opportunities and you say you know following your passion but i know that 10 years ago I didn't know what podcasting was you know and I I tell young people now as this wise old man I am at 27 (laughs) right that I wish I had done like media for example in in high school or or done this more since I was you know 18 19 I mean Mm. I just told a guy you probably know Neil Duffy he was Mm-hmm. you know my mum my had a birthday party last night and I was just talking to him about it you know he's a photographer 19 like he has so much opportunities but he, he thinks he has to know it all before he begins nah. right I started this new job where I've now been a podcast producer and, and video content maker I don't even I just make up my own title every time I tell someone new right yeah no I think I look yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I think that's exactly a, a really valid point because it's like, you know, it's yeah, I've had this concept. You know, it's like bite off more than you can chew and chew like all hell. Mm. You know, so um, one of my greatest periods of success, if I look back, was you know about ten years ago or more in Sydney, where we were in the real estate game, and I got offered this block of thirty-two units to sell. Mm. I didn't have the slightest freaking idea what I was going to do with them. Yeah. But I pitched for them and, and actually got them. Yeah. And then it was like, well, you know, how the hell am I going to get this down my throat? You know, I have to figure it out. Yeah. And so it forces you. It's like, you don't, you don't necessarily have to go off and be a screaming expert at something before you actually try and do it. Just do it. Make right. mistakes. Learn from it and, and move forward. And that's exactly what you're talking about. So as a kid, you don't know. You know, as a teenager, you don't really know exactly what you want to do so have a crack at something yeah and and just go for it and find your passion that way Mm. it's good advice it reminds me of a quote from that i heard on the tim ferris show i don't know if you know who tim ferris is but he's um it's got a pretty big podcast isn't he like an in excess guitar player (laughs) (laughs) no no ferris it was a ferris and in excess (laughs) i don't know all the band members of in excess i'm sorry but um Definitely not a, your time. not a rock and roller. I know in excess, relax. But it's not his quote who said it, but he mentioned on his podcast, but it was like the guy says, and I'll try and find it, but it's like if I did what I was always qualified to do, I'd be pushing a broom somewhere. Yeah. 
right? And it's like, it's it's so true. Mm. You know, I've had many conversations with you, with my dad, with other people. Mm. And like I said, I started this a year ago and the opportunities that have, have come up. Um, I was just on a, a Zoom call, you know, like a Skype call before, earlier this morning, and speaking to people from around the world that I, I learned this, you know, how to, how to podcast with through the podcasting fellowship and just met a guy from Melbourne. Um, his name's Adam. He has a podcast, What You Will Learn, where he mm. reads books and, and reviews them. He's got done over 200 episodes. Wow. And just looking through his Instagram feed before, I, I actually subscribed. I must have found it somehow because I didn't find it through the podcasting course. But he's met some crazy people. And, you know, I'm keen to learn his story, which I'm sure I'll get in touch with him in the next few weeks or so. Mm. But the opportunities that just come up, like you say, from following your passion. Mm. So that was one of your most successful periods, yeah. the 32 blocks. What what came from that? Like, Well, an entire business came from that. You know, I was... Um it was very. It was the very beginning of a quite a um, affluent period for Julie and I, yeah. and um, it formulated into its own business, which was sort of, for want of a better word, like a wholesale business, whereby we were um, signing up, you know, large blocks of units. Well, not large, but you know, where they were like twelve townhouses or a block of eighty units. Yeah, and we started to get a reputation amongst the. Um, mainly the Lebanese community in Western Sydney that, you know, we could be relied upon to sell these things. And so we'd, we'd take on these blocks, we'd package it all up and do all the marketing material. And then I'd just, in the next way, I'd, I'd run off and speak to Chinese marketing groups and, and anybody who was looking for property to sell. And yeah. so we were just the middleman and it was like the grains of sand through the hourglass, you know, it was like every grain that went through passed through us. And so we made some money. Right. We didn't deal with the buyer. We only dealt really with the with the developer, yeah. And um, <laughs> oh god, it was it was an interesting time because you know we had the the craziness of a Chinese buyer on one side, and and you know the um, cavalier <laughs> nature is maybe a politically correct way to describe a Lebanese developer okay. on the other end. And so yeah, it was it was a pretty interesting time, right? And what's maybe the if you could think of one thing or one or two things, like the best things you learned from that time. Yeah. That you maybe would like to, if you know, you were going into it again newly, would like to know it from the off. Yeah. I guess it's the concept of, um, you know, if somebody gives you something to do, then come hell or high water, no matter the obstacle, you have to get it done. You know, you can't clock off at five. You can't, tell them up, ring them up and say, I, you know, didn't work. Like, freaking figure it out. Just figure it out and get it done. And most often, it's your own estimation of the effort required to get something done that gets in the way. Mm. So what, a lack of estimation? Yeah, of- like if you want to raise some money yep. or you've got 60 units to sell or you're going to paint your house or build a house or... or I want to do a podcast episode a week. Yeah, yeah. you've got to look at that and you've got to have the correct estimation of what it's really going to take to get the product that you have to get. So with these with these um, developers, you know, they dealt with various agents and all they got was sort of excuses and reasons and so on and so forth. So, you know, um, I just had it in my head. It's like, you know, I'm just going to do whatever it takes to get it done and... and you know, I think that sort of 
um, really served me well because we would, we'd get it done no matter what. And, and frequently, many people probably don't understand what's required legally with contracts and things in real estate deals, but I, I've driven to Wagga from Sydney just to pick up a, a contract of sale. Uh. You know, I've, I've had Chinese agents come to my place at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night to bring a contract to me. Yeah. You know, we would just pride ourselves on going above and beyond whatever was required to get something done. And the developers, I tell you, they loved us for it. Yeah. And that, that was like such a successful action. All right. That's cool. Yeah. Above and beyond. Yeah, nice. just get it done, you know. It's, 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 um, it's, you know, it's the concept of message to Gasha. Yeah, give what is man, that? Well, that's just, you know, give a man a task and, um, you know, it's, I don't know, I get the idea, like, you know, many, many moons ago, it's like people were more like that, more resilient, they're less full of excuses and reasons. It's like you could give someone a task and they'd just go and get it done. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm too tired and it's too hot, it's too cold, I'm hungry, whatever. It's just like they'd go and get it done. What do you think it's like that more, you know, 2020 now? You're a manager of a... I think, of a it's, I think it's all too easy. People are too reasonable. Not the definition of reasonable as in, um, you know, be fair or equitable, but reasonable as in to explain away a reason why something can't be done. Right. Right? So the world these days... Um, accepts excuses or accepts things why you know something can't be done Mm. and so you know because people aren't necessarily it helps if they're following their passion but if you're in a if you're in a company and you've got a whole bunch of people working for you you know are they there just because it's just a job or are they there because it's part of their passion or it's a path to their passion or a reason they're doing or something like that Mm. so if you have those people you know and they're all aligned the clock doesn't come into it it's it's just like get it done and um when you that's why i love sales because salespeople are a bit like that they're they're crazy motherfuckers (laughs) i think that's it in the world today there's there's just too much nine to five clock on clock off welfare state you know um hourly rates you know you're not paying me enough i need an extra ten dollars a week i mean it's all bullshit like right work harder get get more done get more products right so you you work now your, your job is managing a a financial and property sales company is that yeah it is so i'm the i'm the general manager yeah in a company that's um with a model that i'm very sort of familiar with from years gone by yeah but yeah for us it's not necessarily just about you know selling properties or making deals we quite sincerely you know want to help our clients mm. but we also have um a higher purpose as far as the group is concerned with the causes that we support right so you know it's that that galvanizes the 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 executives or the senior guys or even some of the other ones as well Mm. you know that's what we're trying to build as a as a team of people that are doing it not just for the money or something but they have a reason they're doing it yeah right and so if that's sort of the driver, the main thing <clears throat> at the sort of the top of the company, when you're, you know, you mentioned there, you know, there's no point clocking off, you know, when it hits five o'clock, you know, you've got to push past that. Obviously, salespeople, uh, you know, 
always always selling, mm. right? Going out and seeing people. But what then, as a as someone who's an employer, what would maybe your advice be to younger people? You know, obviously, yeah, there's more than you know, work more than nine to five, but. It's not as easy as that, especially yeah, in these day I, and age. A lot of people want to create their own thing. Um, look, that, that's all very well if they want to create their own thing, if it's a stepping stone to them finding out what their own thing is. But yeah. you know, more than anything, the, the young people I like working with are the one that's, ones that have a willingness to learn, not a, um, a yeah, but, or that's not how we do it, or um, you know, that didn't work. or It's like... You know, they have to have a willingness to be corrected or educated or, you know, guided yeah. instead of, you know, and the first rejoinder is, you know, um, that didn't work or something like that. That's bullshit. Yeah. You know, so if they have that, and whether it's a young person or not, then, you know, you can actually um, make progress with them mm. and you can help them and, and they can help you as well. So, you know, willingness is everything with staff. It's like once you damage that or destroy that or beat that out of them or something like that, then, you know, they're not your staff. They're just... Right. It's, it's just wrong. Right. So you get the most out of people when you have their willingness. So if you can align their purpose with your purpose and you can have their... If they're open to being corrected and, and helped, then you can make wonderful strides. Yep. Nice. That's the main thing. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So... I'm aware, obviously, more about your life than what we've gone into in this yep. conversation. It's only so much you can cover in, you know, sure. thirty, forty minute chat. But I know that you know life changes a lot, and it changes for everyone. There's yeah. so much going on, and you would never really know. But for you, if you could have anything in the world, be certain in ten years' time, whether it affects your life directly or on a higher level, perhaps what would that one thing be? If I could have anything or change anything, what was it? Yeah, if anything was true in the world. It was true. So if you want a long, luscious set of hair like mine. <laughs> no, I've given up on that <laughs> ages ago, mate. Um, mate, we can chop well, all mine I off. Guess, and... I guess as a parent, you know, that's one of the, my other sort of passions in life, if you like, is, is being a parent. Mm. And I absolutely adore that hat. Um you know, it's um, it, it's a shame. You know, for many people, you don't really understand the love that a parent has for their kid until you become a parent, and that's a shame. Because if people did understand that, they'd be in a whole lot more of a rush to become a parent. And I just find these days that people aren't for that reason. Right. So you know, absolutely adore my kids, and I adore other people's kids. You know, I think children are wonderful. Mm. and um, you can have so much fun with them. But yeah, to answer your question, I just, you know, I want my kids to um, be, you know, happy, healthy, and, and just, you know, contributing people mm. and pursuing the things that they're most interested in and, and being successful in those things. So yeah, for me, you know, I'm sort of becoming a crusty old bastard now, um, but yeah, that's what I, that's what I'd really want is, um, you know, my kids and, and other kids, I love to, I love to see kids succeed and it absolutely destroys me when I see kids that are sick or, you know, might have cancer or some absolutely debilitating shit mm. situation. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. You know, you'd, you'd, if I watch something on TV where some kid's suffering, I'm the first to start bawling my eyes out. <laughs> well, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Cool. Thanks for for sharing that. So right, I think in ten years, Riley will be twenty two. Your youngest. Yeah, Riley be twenty two. Sam thirty three. Ben thirty seven. That's right. It's crazy to think about really, that, hey? Really old, yeah. yeah. How old will you be in 10 years? Uh, 65. So 55, now I'll be 56 this year. Okay. Yeah, but um, hopefully, you know, they'll, um, somewhere along, along the line, one of them will start having grandchildren. Yeah. But, um, well, Ben's married. Ben's been married now for yeah, two years. Almost his two-year anniversary next week. I think, I think this week. is the third year, isn't it? Isn't this three years? No, no, they got married in 2018. Right, of 2018. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right, two years. Yeah, I'm, I'd like to think my memory's slightly better, but you were there as well, so I you should there, remember. you were there. <laughs> we were both sort of, yeah. You made a very good, very good uh, speech, father of the groom. Mate, I was absolutely cracking, cropping my pants on that speech. I tell you, I've never practiced and rehearsed something in my entire life as much as I did that. Right. Yeah. You did very well. Thank you. Very but, well. Um, yeah, no, I just want to see them successful and, and happy and content and doing what they're doing. So, um, mm. yeah, I love hanging out with them. Yeah, they're good dudes. Okay, so a question that I love to ask people, and I know I say this almost on every episode, and if you're listening and this is the hundred, no, not a hundredth time because I haven't had that many episodes, but if it's the tenth time you've heard me say this, yeah. It's only because I like, yeah, I like orienting people if it's their first episode. But yeah, the main reason I started this was to find out what people older than me and what their advice would be to their younger selves. So to you, Andrew, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Yeah, I think young people, and I heard you say this earlier this morning, is um, they get frustrated that they don't have it all already Mm. or they haven't found their thing already. And I'd be like, just, you know, just chill, just, just take a moment don't don't stress you'll find it just just keep searching and you'll find it so um you know don't be in such a rush it's okay you know i mean colonel sanders found kfc when he was 60 or something right but pretty good chicken if you want to die of coronary disease but um yeah look they're fortunate if they find their purpose when they're young but yeah my advice to myself would be um just, just keep going. Just keep going. You're doing fine. Hmm. Just, um, just follow your heart. Follow your purpose. Try and find your purpose and, and pursue that. And, and all the success you want will come with that. Yeah. So um, don't wish your life away. Right. You know, when you get older, you look back and you'll go, there were some really good times. So be in the moment. Enjoy what you have, the people you have in your life. Yeah. And just, just one step in front of the other. Awesome. Awesome advice. There you go. I want to add to that though. So, you know, I was, I did mention that it's sort of like delaying gratification yep. is something that I think you need to do when you're this age. It's like, yeah, you want things now. Like I don't, I don't have a car at the moment. Right. Sure. And <laughs> part of having a car is allows you freedom, but I couldn't care if I'm driving a Mercedes or if I'm driving, you know, my stepdad lent me his car, which isn't the flashiest set of wheels, but it's wheels nonetheless. Yeah. But when you were mm. that age, mm. were you like that? I was exactly the same. Look, I've had jobs where I've been driving a shit car. And I've parked that car, you know, 500 metres around the block before I walked into someone's home because yeah. I'm so embarrassed about it. Yeah. 
but um, so what? You know, so what? You know, it's like one thing in sales I really learned, probably such a real fundamental, is um, just be interested in people. You know, be genuinely interested in people and and they'll follow you to the end of the earth mm. if you just really care about the person in front of you. So leave yourself at the doorstep and all your dramas and, and problems and considerations and concerns and um, just talk to the person in front of you and be genuinely interested in them. Yep. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. No worries. But before we do go, is there anything you'd like to add? Julie and I started a GoFundMe page for our local RFS so that the funds or some funds could go directly to them. Mm. They're a, um, a small group of farmers that are, you know, firefighters in times like these. So it was something we could felt we could do to help them. So, yeah, it's a GoFundMe page, GoFundMe Peakview RFS, I think it's called. Yeah, I'll so put think, the link yeah, in the yeah, show notes. That'd be fantastic. So if anyone wants to contribute to that, I'd, I'd be really, really grateful. Yeah, any donations, welcome. Absolutely. Awesome. I think you've done a pretty good job, right? Cool. Off the cuff. <laughs> I asked you this morning before you uh, took your wife to her appointment, and yeah, you came back to the house and we're like, let's do it. So I appreciate it. No problems. Thanks, mate. Cheers. So there you have it, another episode of the Hope Initiative. I hope you enjoyed that one. Thanks again to Andrew, who may be surprised that I yeah, released this one. But uh, it was an important conversation, one that was yeah, really just genuine and off the cuff. So I appreciate it and yeah, wanted to, wanted to get it out into the world. So yeah, if you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. If you you know enjoying the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. If you can subscribe, share a five-star rating on the old Apple podcast, it all helps get the word out there. And yeah, thanks again. Until next time, all the very best.